Hello and welcome to episode 253 of The Great and Crowbar. It is the 7th of September 2018. My name is Chris Thurston and this morning I'm joined by Philippa Waugh. Hello. <laughs> so again, uh, we have some real, uh, real scheduling issues recently. Uh, so it's just Pip and I, uh, for what will be a little bit of a shorter episode than normal and an episode that we are for the first time, uh, recording in the morning. Mm. Sans booze, I should stress, plus coffee. Ugh. And, uh, as you can probably already tell, uh, Pip and I have very different energy levels at eight o'clock oh, in the God. morning. It's a prox 4am. <laughs> <laughs> or it feels like it's 8, 8 it, a.m. <laughs> it's 8am. It's 8am. Um, I very much morning person. Love the morning. Can't get enough of it. Wish, wish all day was the morning. Uh, cause then I would feel more alive for longer. Uh, uh Pip, I feel like you don't 100% reflect this sentiment. I feel like we're just from different worlds. I, uh, oh. Well, anyway, all we can do I've is not press on. It up. <laughs> you you work on coffee too, and we'll we'll see mm. how we get on. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. But there is some there's some fun news to talk about tomorrow, uh, Saturday the eighth of September is the opening of a new exhibit about video games at the Victoria and Albert Museum in in London, uh, which is called Video Games Design Play Disrupt. And that's interesting in and of itself, but it's extra interesting uh, because of the involvement of lots of people we like, including uh, you, Pip. Uh, hello, yes. <laughs> Me, hi. <laughs> Me, Pip. <laughs> there she is. Oh, God. Uh, yes. Uh, well, uh, kind of some, yes. So I was, uh, well, I, I wouldn't. What? No, go on. Uh, I, I wouldn't say like. What I suppose involved is the right word, but like obviously I minimally, but I just did a bit of consulting as some other people did uh, as well, many other people, and also uh, wrote an essay for the for the catalogue. Although I don't think they call it a catalogue; I think it's like the accompanying publication. <laughs> it's the accompanying book. You wrote a bit of the book. That's a thing. I've got a chapter in a book. Yeah, which is. It's the only way that anyone could get me to write a book is like stealth. Exactly. <laughs> like, they tricked you. Yeah, I was tricked. <laughs> Guinea pig tricked me. Indeed. Um, yes, so that happened, which is nice. I was wanging on about League of Legends as per. <laughs> so, you know, although I don't wang on about it here though, do I? No, no. I've got literally no But now, you, now, now you've, um, you've wanged on about it. In the in in the official capacity of you know a very well regarded heritage space. Only talk about it when I'm on my own. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can only wang by yourself. That's the that's one of the unspoken rules. Why am I being mocked for that? You're not. No one is. (laughs) I mean, turn of phrase. (laughs) (laughs) um, You know, also present. I think in the whole ecosystem thing, Alex did some. Bits I of Bob's believe Holden. Alex has. Alex might also be in the book. Uh, I could get the book from the other room. No, it's too late for that now. Pip. That sounds like a dangerous degree of fact checking. Okay. But yeah, there are other essays in there that I really, really, really want to read. And the book arrived while we were on magazine deadline. And that has only just abated. So obviously <laughs> that has not happened, but it does mean that there's like a nice treat awaiting this weekend Mm. and the magazine deadline also got in the way of you managing to go out for the the preview of the you know the opening of the thing which is a shame would have been that was a shame but i will pop down soon and go see it so it's on for a while yeah exactly will be 
good i'll put a link in the show notes to the uh to the website people can get tickets and stuff but it looks pretty cool like that was in, uh, i like i remember I had one conversation with them about the esports side of it many many years ago now mm. and because uh, it's been the works for a long time and they've you know done uh i think people maybe can be a little bit wary of of game related stuff in in a, in a public context because it's not always handled you know with it you know the uh, specificity of, of knowledge that you'd hope but this is really they've really really done their they did really the due diligence and also it's actually curated uh like a, i'm not sure of like the specific job title but um marie uh who was essentially leading the project um uh is amazing she's part of the wild rumpus and mm. you know like yeah, yeah. really knows games knows interesting people knows interesting ways to approach games in a public space mm. and you know so i am just super stoked to go see it when yeah I, me too when I can. we should we should make a plan mm. go to london maybe we could even go together yeah london <laughs> the land of the lons um yes that's a good thing mm. um a, a bad thing just because you have to have one oh, of each no. kind of news no we don't okay but I guess I'll stop then. <laughs> Why? What was it? Well, it's it was just to make note that the um, Carbine are, are finally closing. Uh, the studio responsible for the MMO. You told me that, but I thought I was still asleep. <laughs> <laughs> just, it was an awful dream. Uh, but no, like I think, um, uh, you know, <laughs> so Carbine, who are the studio uh, responsible for Wildstar, um, uh, founded, I think, primarily by ex-Mythic developers who made Dark Edge Camelot, one of my favourite MMOs ever, um is now being closed by NCSoft, which is their parent company. Um, I just wanted to make a note of it because it's, it's a shame, you know, and, and also to say that, you know, I really liked their work. I thought they were, they were good. I, I thought Wildstar was good as well. Wildstar, but mm. it felt like a game out of its time. Yeah. And also once everybody I knew stopped playing it because it turned out we'd all played it around the same time for review and I mm. didn't know that that was exactly why everyone, so I had no one to play with. <laughs> Yeah. Which is a shame. Um, yeah. It was a really well, solid MMO in the era of MOBAs. Although weirdly, I had not realised it was still going. I thought that because all of the conversations about how it was doomed and I think they'd switched over to whatever the technical name is for life support on a game, right? Yeah, Like yeah. maintenance mode, Basically, yeah. Um... I think I'd thought that it had been mothballed or actively discontinued years ago, mm. um, especially because some of the uh, developers or the, the leads on it had gone on to do things like, because uh, Rend is mm. a project by X car by an X, you know, X blizzard people. Right. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, that seems interesting, although my PC is not having, um, it, my PC throws temper tantrums <laughs> during that game. Um, so, uh, but to go back to Wildstar, yeah, it's, it's both a shame and also a weird thing where I sort of thought it had already happened. The game's not even dead yet. Like, yeah. um, they are going to support it for like, a little while but they have confirmed now that the plan is to close it and that was never previously the case it was on life support but it was i mean to indefinite. be fair at that point it 
yeah it's, it's so, a matter of when not if right yeah it's so difficult with a game like this unless for some reason mmos suddenly come back into into fashion in a broader sense for some reason or you chuck a battle royale mode in. yeah and i suppose the only thing they could have done with it is um i was it was i was sort of bemused to note the return of defiance this week under the tw- defiance 2050 label that was the shooter mmo that came out a couple of years ago uh, i reviewed it when it came out for pc gamer in 2013 i think so five years ago uh that was supposed to tie into a tv series which is the most doomed crossover idea i've ever heard oh yeah i remember you talking about that while we were on our way somewhere yeah it's a it was a, it wasn't a great game um were we on our way to a pub stomp for dota or something possibly yeah <laughs> it was a very 2013 thing to happen yeah um <laughs> But nonetheless, so that, you know, that, uh, has come back this week in a very kind of aggressively monetized free to play format. Um, sounds pretty, from what I've read about it, it sounds pretty egregious in that they basically relaunched the game exactly as it was, same content. Mm. Um, so, but if you can't transfer your character from the other version of the exact same game, and now you have to pay loads of money to unlock the classes that were just part of the original game. So that's, a, you know, clearly a way of, um, getting some value out of assets that were created that are sort of sitting in a, in a company's, hmm. you know, sort of, you know, assets somewhere. And that's pretty cynical by the times of things. Um, and, but it will probably make money because free games, you know, it might take over. I mean, I don't know exactly what the hmm. upkeep costs are, but it may well simply just sort of take over on the basis that it has the right set of, retention mechanics to kind of keep people and maybe the would maybe there would have been something you know with with mmos and uh, with mmos like wildstar any mmo that's really struggling that you could you could sort of refactor into that format but i don't know if you necessarily want to like as in as a as a designer mm. or a developer like if the only way to make your game viable is to turn it into a kind of gacha kind of microtransaction hellscape <laughs> they um I remember they tried some stuff with subscriptions where you could earn, you know, kind of like Plex in yeah. Eve, where you could earn, um, earn your next subscription through playing the game in some way. But I can't remember the specifics, and I don't remember if they made that, you know, easier or you know to to retain the community that they did have, or whether those were the only people who would pay much more money for it but um actually speaking of plex and eve Mm. did you see that news i did not so uh ccp have been bought by uh pearl abyss who Mm. are the uh they the korean developers of uh black desert online right right i think um, I haven't read this too closely. I only saw, uh, the news story and the, you know, sort of the smatterings of, of wariness slash upsetness from mm. elements for, you know, sort of corners of the community. Um, cause you know, it is disconcerting and. Yeah. Well, it's such a, even anti-CP more broadly is such an idiosyncratic setup. But they've been, doing things that have hinted that they might sell for a while Mm. right like sort of paring things down a bit refining project you know just sort of like being a monolithic thing that someone might want to to purchase rather than 
you know, having complicated spin-off yeah. studios. And- it definitely feels like CCP's attempt to become a kind of, you know, maybe NCSoft in its own right, like a company with a bunch of ongoing MMOs failed with mm. the failure of the White Wolf project, the World Darkness. But also the other Eve stuff didn't really take off and the mm. sort of the the VR stuff never quite felt like it. It felt like a company that was interested in particular things and wanted to put resources into developing on those fronts but that they didn't um the interests of people at the studio didn't actually align with current trends or with yeah. like consumer trends that would like buoy up a studio or like you know cover for any shortfalls or yeah it feels like yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. I think I mentioned this in the podcast before, but last year I went to Eve Vegas and, um, had a set of very optimistic conversations with the guys who were working on, uh, Eve Valkyrie VR, which was pretty good. I liked it and it was experimental and they had all these ideas for what they might mm. do with it. And as esports, it's really interesting. And they were, I think mostly ex Ubisoft devs, but they, you know, CCP definitely hoovered up talent from, uh, big, big studios, big AAA studios so that they could experiment with this stuff. And then, you know, as I was midway through writing an article about it, all that stuff was shuttered. And I was, you know, I've been in situations before where you go to a place or you go to see a studio and you get a vibe for like, oh, something's not quite right. Or, you know, you know, to be wary. And in that case, I genuinely didn't. It really caught me off guard because I, you know, I I'd sort of come back with, you know, you don't want to borrow everyone, all of someone's optimism because obviously everyone's really excited when they're talking to the press. But there's an element of like, oh, wow, what a nice thing. You know, nice people make it a cool thing they're excited about. And then, and also when the project itself feels strong in terms of the implementation. Yeah. Then you sort of, you know, it's not that you're not wary because you're always wary Mm. because the industry. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like, there weren't quite the usual red flags on that front, at least from, um, from a sufficiently outsider perspective where you're playing other games. Like I think maybe it would be a different experience if, you know, Eve was the only game that you played or you'd be able to mm. pick up like warning signs if you were obsessively following CCP's various channels, like, yeah. business threads or something. I but- wonder to what extent this is more broadly like a warning sign for Eve. Because mm. if it's been sold, then obviously someone places value on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, hopefully it's not a question of simply then, you know, the kinds of sort of rinsing it for all it's worth that can happen after a company gets sold. Uh, yeah, like it feels, but because it's particularly been sold to a, a company with existing concerns um, in in the same field, mm. I don't think that necessarily signifies the end of Eve, for example. I think that it it's weird because games... Once they seem to attract the is it dying narrative, everything just then gets passed through that lens. Mm. And I mean, you've seen it most aggressively recently with Lawbreakers, um, I would say. And, you know, like that would be an interesting thing to really, uh, you know, and, and I say interesting, but with, you know, the obvious or hopefully obvious caveat that there are real people involved and it has had an impact on people's lives, you know, not having 
that sort of yeah, income or whatever. But, um, you know, the extent to which that was a self-fulfilling prophecy once people started thinking of it as a game with a low play account or whether, you know, mm. um, whether that would have happened anyway because there wasn't enough space in the market or it, it was slightly too obtuse for for most players so it would only ever have had a small player base um mm. but um but you also get it with you know world of warcraft has been given the oh yeah it's probably dying narrative for approx seven years at least yeah. i would say yes yes exactly like um dota as well mm-hmm. dying game um, yeah <laughs> pub g now dying <laughs> Mm-mm. Well, it's an interesting one because, like, it's, you know, Dota has sort of just sort of, like, um, survived it. Like, World of Warcraft has survived it. And I wonder what the quality is of, of games that can kind of just keep plodding on as other things kind of rise up, surpass them, and then dip back down again, which I would say is the arc for the relationship between Dota and PUBG, for example. I think a critical mass of players is probably, like, your best bet on that front, along with continuous development, because it means that, you know, you will likely have the player base to sustain the game through slightly leaner times, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, when an interesting update or a new um, hero or champion or character, you know, whatever you call your characters, comes out... um, you know, you'll have the influx of people and, you know, interest. If there's a big esports tournament, you know, people mm. will, will turn back up again. You know, like if they added a, a new map to PUBG, you'd see the players spike again. You know, you see it with, um, with No Man's Sky, right? As soon mm. as they release a big update, it's back in the Steam charts for a squillion years. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I wonder if there's some aspect specifically with, with these sort of, games though that's more to do with a sense of like a culture around the game or a community about the game like once you've played the game once you've always be part of that game's community in some way because like for example um pubg both gained and lost players faster i think than than dota or world of warcraft obviously both of those games gained players very quickly but that was many many years ago um gains and loses them faster mm. um and uh you know, it's the, the, the curve of its progress is, is much more dramatic. And I think that's because PUBG doesn't really necessarily have a, a culture around it. It's, it's a game everybody was playing for a amount of time and then everyone stopped playing it or moved on to Fortnite or whatever. Um, it was as easy to move on from as it was to jump into, th- which I don't think is necessarily the case for WoW or, or Dota, just simply on the basis of updates. So, and this is borrowing terminology that might not quite fit, um, and being total armchair psychology um but i wonder how much of it is that sunk cost sensation because Mm. i find it very hard to um not remember but i i don't play dota anymore and i haven't for months like i still watch it and enjoy it but i do not play it because Mm -hmm. you know it it feels like I would have to learn too much and I've, I, I've fallen completely out of, um, the, you know, that cycle of, of just learning the small tweaks of an update. Yeah, yeah. So it would essentially just be learning a, the game afresh in some ways. So, or trying to override old knowledge that will actively screw me over at this point, mm. like jungle pathing. It's like, Oh my God. Um, anyway, so 
but I still would think of myself as a member of the community, partly because I I still actively engage with the game, but also because I took all of that time. I took those thousands of hours to actually yeah. learn it and would still feasibly find it easier to dip back in than somebody would to to play it afresh. And I think that's a similar thing with World of Warcraft. If you've leveled up a character to... Mm-hmm to a certain point it's like you know you're not gonna feel and and also paid a subscription in that case you know you you've actively invested in the game both financially and yeah and time-wise whereas PUBG, you can play that for a game and know what it is yeah and that's maybe the ultimate reason why it like eve is, is, a, is an extreme example of that like if you think of it in terms of yeah sunk cost um being um you know, I think I I often don't like the 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 phrase sunk cost because I feel like it's it's quite negative um, or it sounds quite negative. Not that, uh, about something that isn't essentially in in, in in negative, which is that you made an investment in something, and mm. um, or, or to the point, I think it can it can make the it can imply that investing in, in time in a game is is not a worthwhile thing to do. Um, Whereas actually, I think it's you know it's, it's it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Um, not to say that you're not right about the the principle though, but with um with WoW, you know, like I had this recently. Tom Seen, you definitely had this recently with the sort of like I could just go back for Battle for Azeroth, the new the new one, um, because I know that there is some corner of some server somewhere where my orc still lives. That is forever England, which is forever orc. <laughs> um, yes, um, and um, and. That's, you know, like, that feels like something that even though it's, it's, you know, in any real sense, it's not mine. It's a bit of data on a server on my Blizzard. They could switch off at any point. I'm not paying for it. I'm not paying my subscription. Um, but the sort of like, oh, there's something that's mine there still. There's something that it's not just time I've invested in the past. There's also something actual about it. And Eve's very much that because so much of its economy and systems are play around, mm. um, corporations and so on. Like, you know, even if you leave Eve for a long time, you know, I, I still know, I still know in Eve's case that there's some corner of that game, which is forever spaceships, mm. like my spaceships specifically. So that is, I think, a very specific relationship which makes it hard to break. And maybe once you've got that in your players of a certain mass, it just takes a long time for your game to actually die. So I wonder whether Fortnite is better protected than PUBG in this regard, just because of the building side of things that mm. that isn't as immediately easy to not easy to master but um with PUBG the the expertise is um transferable from game to game it's being good with you know realistic-esque weapons Mm. um Mm. which you know you could transfer over to CSGO if you fancied that or you know go back to armor or you know something like that whereas or DayZ whereas um with uh with Fortnite the build stuff is so idiosyncratic and so much a sort of an odd remnant of the the actual PVE that they started with and they've really embraced it that i i wonder whether that that actually in some respects yeah, I get what proofs you mean. it against people just going to the well, next thing that involves the shooty things and the the uh uh, geographic awareness of like not being visible against a hill or something, you know? Yeah. Like, yes, it's, you know, 
whether or not that would be enough to ultimately sustain things, mm. I don't know. But, you know, there's a reason that I will never, ever stop banging on about tribes. And it's because that game embodied a set of skills that I loved doing mm-hmm. that aren't available in other games. So I feel tremendously loyal to this one game. Whereas if, if tribes movement mechanics had just become like a standard thing in most FPSs, I probably wouldn't, I'd probably remember it fondly as like, Oh, remember that it invented it. Yeah. But I wouldn't be so much like, you know, justice for tribes a hundred percent of the time, every day, day in, day out, 24 seven, yeah. as I actually am. Yeah. Um, you're wearing your Justice for Tribes t-shirt. Right now, yeah. Like, you know, i, I got to go in a minute to go to the one-man march I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just you pacing the kitchen. Yeah, like, exactly. I don't know what you expect me to do right now. <laughs> it's like, can Shouting I get my keys? at the top of my voice. Where's the toast? <laughs> um, bring back skiing. Um, but yeah, no, nonetheless. But that is, I think, maybe a similar point. Because it's like an idiosyncratic mechanic that you're getting. You feel like you've invested in. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. That was a lot of news. It was a lot of news, but it was, it was news and analysis. Mm. That's what they call it, news and comment. Yeah, we were pundits. We were pundits. <laughs> um, on the MMO front, maybe that's a good spring off the point. The Moomoo front. The, the Moomoo. The Moomooga. <laughs> um, we've been talking about the Moomoogs, and we were talking about the struggling Moomoogs. Would it be okay if I if I talked a little bit about, uh, I don't think, really truly struggling Moomoog, uh, Destiny 2? Mm-hmm. Here we go again. Yes. Uh, incidentally, I've decided that all sequels to games must be subtitled. Here we go again. I don't know because I still really like Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> I like Electric Boogaloo, but I think it's had its time as the default subtitle. Well, I I also quite like going with the the second film structure, like when it really doesn't work. I think there's a lot of com- comedy potential in there. So you know, Destiny step up to the streets. Yes, that that also works. <laughs> For example. I think I think to the streets is also very strong. Mm. Um, is also a very strong uh, sequel appellation. But I feel like here we go again belongs in that mm. pantheon of things you can say. I just want to formally yeah. inaugurate it. Two Destiny, Two Furious. Exactly. Or whatever, you know. Two Destiny, Two Forsaken, which is the new one. Ah. Um, nice. So, yeah, anyway, so Destiny 2 has its expansion this week, and I am back in, in a, in a big old way. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. And this doesn't mean that I will play it every day for years, as I did with the first game again. Uh, they've done an awful lot that I won't bang on about up to, to revamp its progression mechanics and its items again. It's very much, um, if you've played Destiny for a certain amount of time, they do this all the time. Like, you know, the story of Destiny 1 was continually reinventing how progression and gear loadouts and uh, finding and, and picking up items, all of the progression stuff works uh, to try and find the right balance of stuff. To be fair, that's game dev, isn't it? It's fiddling with numbers. <laughs> it is, but it's. I think it's a specifically notable thing about Destiny, yeah. how often it has f- almost fully reinvented itself. And this feels like it's Taken King moment, which if you played Destiny 1 was the first big expansion where suddenly it sort of turned on its head and went from, I thought, uh, like an 8 out of 10 that I loved to a 10 out of 10. And I, a Destiny is still one of my favorite games of all time. It's mm. easily in my top four. Um, and, and I kind of included sequel in that because it's kind of one experience. Well, it's their 10 year roadmap, isn't it? It is. And actually to their credit with all the bumps on the road, I actually kind of feel that. And that's one of the things I wanted to mention is that, um, I'm, I, so, you know, the caveat being that I'm playing this on PS4 cause it's, you know, very much that game for me. It's a game I like to play with a pad. It's a game I like to play on the sofa. Um, but, um, one thing about, uh, Forsaken, uh, which, so, um, this is, like there's a lot there's a lot in this expansion this is quite a chunky kind of uh single player campaign and something i've kind of realized as i've been playing it is like i have this really 
like in in all of the law stuff they've brought in there's now law in the game yeah mm-hmm. um there's a lot of new and all of the kind of echoes of its fiction kind of uh you know uh, stretch back through to, into the first game i really have that feeling that i love about mmos which is that i've been on this really long journey with one character um how much of this is because it's vindicating your investment in grimoire cards? Well, it's and the fact that you absorb that stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, I, again, it's like it's like you know what you would call a sunk cost. I call an investment. Like, there's, I, think, like I, I want to say that I think sunk cost is useful, usefully negative, but I think that it's usefully negative in the sense that you invoke it to help you move away from something you no longer want to participate in. Yeah. And destiny isn't that. And I wouldn't say that's a sunk cost. I don't think that, that it's fair to, to say that. I think that I have absolutely no capacity for remembering law. Like, so I, it's not even a sunk, sunk cost for me. It's like, <laughs> Like, it's a thing that just happened to someone else many moons ago. Yeah, fair enough. Destiny's a weird one because you know it, it's it was famous for having a story initially that no one really understood, um, and and still don't. I know. So this is and this is what's cool about it. And, and obviously, I don't, I don't want to spoil things for either the expansion or for Destiny Two because I appreciate you even finished it. So you know, <laughs> like, but. You know, over time, uh, they have gotten less and less coy about just putting stuff in the game. Yeah. And, but they've also, they also understand enough to, to add new things to be coy about so that there's still a sense of mystery to kind of pull you in to the world. Because I love that kind of mystery storytelling. It's something that, uh, you know, it's a huge influence on hack mode, if I'm being honest. Like, um, I like that sense that there's something to discover and you, you have the freedom to put it together yourself. And, um, uh, what I find interesting is that I have a sense of like, you know, uh, so the structure of the expansion is, is uh, as a, as a campaign is there is, there are a series of really cool missions and it's, you know, I really like, I think it's some of the best mission design they've ever done. Um, but the highlight of that is a sort of a part of the campaign where you kind of get given the option to do basically six boss battles in any order. Um, and, um, each of them is, has some little touch to it that makes it interesting. Like something that's sort of exciting about these particular encounters. Is that prison of elders basically? Well, the whole thing is, is, uh, basically a sequel to house of wolves, huh. um, which was, uh, ex- the prison of elders expansion for the, for the first one. The new campaign starts in the prison of elders. I'm glad that you just like seeded that explanation in. Cause I'm like, yes, house of wolves. I totally remember which one that was. Is that the one with the beetle man? Yes, probably. It Good. is the one with the beetle man. There's a big beetle man in this one called the spider. Nice. Um, anyway. Well, that's not a beetle. That's an arachnid. It is, but let's, let's not split that hair all the way down the middle. But like, um, anyway, um, you know, there's that, um, you know, it's sort of, it move, it's moving on from the same set of things. And each of those boss fights is kind of neat. One of them is a total, you know, like quite deep fiction cut that to understand anything about what the fuck is going on, you really needed to not just play, uh, Crota's, uh, sorry, uh, the, uh, King's Fall raid from Destiny 1, but understand it, which is a different, thing entirely oh, because of the ascendant realms and sword logic and all of this mad oh, this sci-fi stuff bullshit gatekeeping for me specifically <laughs> well this is the thing i found really interesting because so um you know i i love being baffled by things like i don't find that gatekeeper if, if 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 you can baffle me with a space wizard i'm in like it's like you know when you like dazzle a certain type of animal and they're just like oh i'm yours now like uh that's me <laughs> um like a goose that's imprinted on a yeah, exactly. I am a goose that has imprinted on a on goose guardian. 
on yeah on whereas the, i'm more the goose from the untitled goose game yeah exactly like, <laughs> You're like yeah. this pliant gosling <laughs> yeah no i've just sort of early imprinted on these this particular set of wizards and i'll follow them around now yeah whereas you just hang out in the garden and honk angrily at yeah. passes by and so that's that's fine i will not be confined <laughs> um uh but like um, the other thing is that, um, I, I, I wonder a lot about the experience of people who came to the series the first time with PC, with Destiny 2, mm. because the Destiny 2 main campaign does a pretty good job initially of sort of resetting the clock a little bit. There's literally a kind of character reset and you can build back up and, and there are things in it that, you know, there are little touches and references to the, the events of the first game and things your character will have done in the past, but you don't, um, it doesn't like, you know, you don't really need to understand them. And then from minute one in Forsaken, it's basically a sequel to stuff that you definitely didn't see. So do you remember the beginning of The Taken King? Of course not. Do you remember the Hang space on. battle at the beginning of The Taken King? Uh, wait, which what was... Taken King was the first two expansion. I know that, but I don't... Set the scene. <laughs> so do you remember the beginning of The Taken King... All of the blue people went in a space battle. The Awoken. The I know the Awoken, who they are. Yeah. Thanks. And you know the Awoken Queen vanishes. And... No. Oh wait, no. Is this Petra? Petra is the sort of the, the queen break. She's the like the queen's hunt mistress. Kind this of is person. how the reef ended up somehow involved yeah. with something. Yes, exactly. Right, cool. Yeah. But Good. you played Destiny one, so you have all this context. You know what the reef is. <laughs> I, I mean, it's. Well, it's not really a reef, is it? It's more like a, a, a asteroid field, right? Yeah, it's the asteroid belt, basically. Okay. Well, and that's the thing. So the new baddie in the expansion is... Maybe it is a reef, then. Prince Aldrin Solve, which is who is the prince that vanishes at the start of the Taken King. Yeah, I didn't remember that. You know, the emo dude? No. Right? Who? What? Remember from Destiny 1? No. every now and then is sarcastic at you. I Guy mean... with a fringe. Blue man with a fringe. No. Exactly. Is well, he in a band? <laughs> no. Um, but he is part of a group of blue men. Oh, okay. Um, the, um, the, so anyway, all of this stuff happened and this is a game you played. If you didn't play Destiny 1, I don't know what you make of any of this. Um, but the, 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 oh, see what? No, this is all very confusing to me. I, I, I'll show you a picture after the podcast and you'll go, Oh, him. Is he the one with like, who looked like he was in a boy band though? Yes. Like a well, 90, yeah. like yes. he was in the Backstreet Boys, he looks the like Awoken the ed- Backstreet Yeah, Boys. he looks like the edgy one from the Backstreet Boys. Mm. As in like, you know, there's always an edgy one in a boy band. Mm-hmm. Like edge, uh, uh, No, I mean, I know that there is. And, and in Boyzone, that was Shane. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> but that was more like, cause he didn't have like a shaved eyebrow or anything. No. Or like stubble edge. or an earring. No. He was more, if I'm remembering right, he was more like a sort of Nick Carter yeah. type. Yeah, well. Who's the pretty boy. He's really gone and done it now. That's oh, all I'll say. Okay. Um, and. Has he uh, gone rogue? Pre- well, he, Has he got a bit of a Bieber dead. character arc? Yeah, if, yeah. Like, sort of like Nation's Sweetheart via YouTube turning into... I don't think he, liability. I don't think he was anyone's sweetheart, really. Oh. And he's done he's done something pretty bad. Then why did they care that he'd gone? Well, oh god, this I is an cared. entire other spin-off. Yeah, like I it? don't want to get into what happened, you know, because actually, like, and they are moving the law forward, and it's nice to see. And, and they've, you know, they they it's 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 you know, comic book sci-fi stuff, mm. but they do uh, I think effectively pull off. Um, and they have been not coy about spoiling this relentlessly, but I'm, I'm, you know, just in case people want to experience it when they play the game, I'm not mm. going to talk about it, but you know, the intro 
uh sort of sets up a different type of destiny story right. and it's very much a revenge story which is um petra revenge yeah well i always like the, the that's house of joke that's a pun petra revenge is the name of a character i need to ham this up this <laughs> is the only contribution i've well, made so petra far. petra is a really significant character in it um yes. uh which is cool and um it begins in the uh prison of elders and which was a big location from destiny one and and you know and it involves and then you the, the most the new the big new area or the main one is a big chunk of the reef so you actually see what the reef is like outside of the specific awoken stronghold that you went to in the first game cool. and it's about hunting down uh these barons from a new faction who are like kind of ascended fallen so uh which is just being stood up um <laughs> yeah <laughs> called the scorn. um but lots of cool new, uh, levitating um <laughs> But no, I'm like, um, and the thing I like about it is they've made it kind of a weird, it's a, like, I, I, I love Destiny. I'll always love Destiny, uh, for its weird decisions, but they've kind of decided that the, the reef is kind of basically like the space wild west in right. a really specific way. Like it's like dusty tumbleweed rolling over an asteroid, a purple asteroid. Um, and the soundtrack, it's very much, it is a Western. Right. Like it is like these, you know, barons that you're hunting are this sort of dirty dozen. Um, who are each sort of different members of a gang and you find out things about them through the new law, which is like essentially like Western kind of storytelling. Um, it's a revenge story. It's a kind of morally gray revenge story, which is something that they've not really done before. And it's, it's not, you know, high art by any means, but like the soundtrack is fucking great. They've never, they're so good at mood and, and a sense of place. And they've got this weird space Western kind of thing that they've just decided to kind of plug into it, mm-hmm. uh, which. Um, I'm, I'm really digging. I'm almost to the end of it now and I'm, I'm at the new level cap and there's, there's, there's lots of stuff about new abilities and things. I can spin around and throw knives at people now. That's cool. Oh God, you're probably still one of those jerks, aren't you? Well, Hunter's the best yes, class. No. Yeah. Yes and no, respectively to that. Um, it's an I'm extremely- I'm glad Cade died. Well, that was the thing I was avoiding saying, but yeah. Um, <laughs> it was their whole trailer. Yeah, it, it's the beginning of the game. Like it's the thing you're getting revenge for, but actually, um, you know, it's, a, you'd love it. It's a very hunter heavy kind of experience. Ugh. There's a lot of hunters hunting huntishly. Ugh. Um, it's good. I God, like it a lot. They're the worst. Honestly, they're the best. And that they're is awful. They're like Malfoy. If Malfoy could ice skate, <laughs> you know, that's, that's un- unfair, but true. But like, whereas Titans are Neville Longbottom. You know, power Neville, like yeah, Neville from and, the end, and warlocks are Hermione Granger, which is objectively <laughs> the best character. <laughs> I just came up with the phrase "power long bottom," which is a very different thing. Oh, um, there's, um, yeah, no, you're you're 100 right, um, but like, I, I don't know, I'm. But you're a hunter. Very you've much gone down that route. Very much. Just... There's, um, I believe that a friend of Pod, Paul Canavan, does a lot of the um, cinematics. Mm. Or is, is art director for a bunch of the cinematics for Destiny. That's and cool. the, the one they did for, there's a cutscene, there's a lot of cutscenes in it. And, um, the Cade sort of, one of the Cade sort of, uh, last stand things, I think is great. Cause it's obviously cinematic fighting, but to get to something else I wanted to say about it is they managed to capture in a cinematic what Destiny feels like to play. Mm. Um, obviously there are things that happen in it that can't happen in the game, but man, it's like I have played so much Destiny with one character because the best character, my hunter. And I never. Oh, that'll be why you think that it's the only character you've played. I've played. I've played a warlock and a titan to level no, ten. No, Chris, and it was let okay. me tell you about the okay. sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> no, it's a funk cost because it's better than because they are the 
they're the danciest, fla- you know, capiest uh, characters. It's the cape, isn't it? It is the cape. It's the cape and the showing off. It's the showing off is what yeah. it is, really. Um, the but cape is part of the showing off. It is. Um, but yeah, and um, so... I mean, it just feels incredible. I don't think it's a better feeling shooter for my money, really, a minute by minute. And it's incredible to me that they, I just keep wanting to do the same thing over and over again because it feels so good to so, shoot the aliens. Something that, because uh, I genuinely want to play more of it. It's more that, you know, it would be a downtime game and I, my PC is currently haunted. It is mm. too haunted to yeah. function. Yeah. Um, and it is not in a good way. And thus my evening gaming is kind of curtailed mm. to a certain extent. Um, but I really would like to, to get back, not necessarily get back into it, but to get back up to speed. But I will say that watching you play, the thing that I remembered I do not miss is the um, space turtles, the cabal. The cabal. Um, I hate the experience of shooting them because, like, they do a really good job of expressing you know heft in terms of you know these are tanky space turtles and they take a while to go down and they are annoying and you know stodgy and it's it's both testament to their ability to make that feel right for that um species Mm. but also it i they are by far the most, I, I love the elegant harpies and the, you know, their lines. Is it just a visual and, thing you don't enjoy about them? I think it's like, it's, it's more than just the visual side of things. It's, um, it's a combination of different things. It's the, the, uh, specific feedback that you get when you, you know, try and take one down. You know, it's, um, it takes slightly longer or the, the shots feel slightly different or, you know, it's, it's hard to specifically quantify because I think it'll be a case of fine tuning, you know, seven or eight different things on their part to, yeah. to get it they, to feel it, exactly They were pretty right. substantially revamped in two. I don't know mm. if that's a thing. Okay. Like they changed like the really annoying shield men. Yeah. Where you had to shoot their hands, you know, yeah. shoot the big glowing button in the middle of the shield. Which oh, is much better. Oh, that's fine then. Yeah, great, brilliant. Yeah. I like shooting the big glowing thing in the middle of a thing. Yeah, that's a sensible way of expressing. Because now, now they have like the shield expands out, but when it's expanded, yeah. there's a big glowing button in the middle. Oh, of it. brilliant. Yeah, it's good. I mean, and they have dogs now. They have angry, angry dogs. Terrible idea on the part of them. Like, what were they thinking? They had a great. Method. They had a really, really yes. annoying system previously. Yeah, yeah. They, they were just like, oh, we've I, perfected like, I suspect- this. Let's refine this. It's the Windows Ten of, you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> shield development. It is. Um, yeah. Also, I think you might be, you might have bad memories of the angry modifier from the first game, oh, which meant that enemies could yeah. never flinch, and when they could never flinch and they had the shield, that was an actual nightmare. Oh, that, was that doesn't exist anymore. That's gone. That's a Destiny One legacy. That's that oh. doesn't happen anymore. Well, right. I think angry is just gone as a modifier. So don't worry about that. Um, so is that because no one liked it and it was no, horrible? No one liked it. Um, but no, you should play it because I mean, you just be sort of PlayStation play on that because there's so much stuff now because you've got mm-hmm. you know both both. Of expa- both of the previous expansions and and new Forsaken, for heaven's sake. Well, but before I play that, 
Mm-hmm. I we we have been playing something else. Can I say one more thing about Destiny Two? Of course, I missed one thing. No, that's absolutely fine. We can keep talking about Destiny. No, 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 it's okay. Like. No I'm one wants that. Apart from me and work. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, the only thing I wanted to say is they've added bows. Oh, and honest to God, they ah. I mean, so normally when you think about a video game bow, you think of something you aim very carefully. It's like a stealth weapon, like a Far Cry bow, where it's what, you know, silently taking people down. This is not that. This is 100% Bungie watching Avengers movies and the kind of impressive logic of the fight choreography in the Avengers movies, where they kind of convince you just through kind of panache that it is better for Hawkeye to have a bow than a gun. Mm. And there's really no scenario where it's better for him to have a bow than a modular gun that can shoot lots of different types of ammo. Um, but you kind of believe it because look how good he is at spinning around and firing arrows. Yeah, but like, I mean, to be fair, would you take Hawkeye with a bow versus, you know, like maybe he's just really clumsy otherwise. Maybe he doesn't know what to do with a gun and would just shoot his own foot or something. You yeah, know? you see him firing a gun as well. That's the problem. Oh, yeah, they've sort of completely, I was going to say shot themselves in the foot with that, but it, not really. It's quite. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Aww. that particular feeling of like, wow, a bow is a gun. They've managed to nail that. Like, it's just, it feels so good. Like yeah. it's this complex, combina- complex combination of, you know, you have to hold down the trigger to kind of like pull the string back. And then the, your bow has a little like power meter on it that mm. basically goes like, beep. so it's got the satisfaction of charging your phone right? along with the satisfaction of firing a railgun. Do you get satisfied by charging your phone? Do you not? I mean, you it's... plug it in and it's like, hmm. No, it's entirely functional. Wow. It's, I mean, I, I thought you sorry were, for you, honestly. I thought you were going to say that it's the satisfaction of, you know, like playing an arcade game, right? No, I was going quite broader than that. Uh, but, I mean, also more boring. Mm. Like, no, it's not boring. It's is vital. this because you've you enjoy just the small been living in your freelance, you know, tribes protesting world for too long and I, I haven't paid you enough attention <laughs> decided that your phone just, is, I, I'm, uh, is interesting and you just care about its well-being I'm a freelancer i'm on my own most of the day i just entertain myself it's I know. You know. anyway it's got the satisfaction of that with the satisfaction of using like a nail gun uh, and those are the two that's just just two very satisfying things and you know you get like an explosive tipped arrow that explodes a little bit after the arrow goes in you can also tap the trigger to just like deposit just a <laughs> cough an arrow at your feet gun? yeah when like when i when i was building stuff with my dad as a teenager Okay. Like, plenty of times. Interesting. Yeah. Do you have one now? No. Oh. I don't well, think so. Then. We'll check the cupboard under the stairs. Anyway. <laughs> um, but no, it's just, uh, it's just the good bows, Pip. Hmm. Okay. I mean. That's all I wanted to say. Hunters with bows. <sighs> yeah. My super's a bow. My bow's well, a that's, bow. To be fair, that's been since D1. D1.5. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because I remember you showing off in a in a raid with that one. Yeah, when I could keep flying for ages, but just firing hour after hour after hour. But it uh, like it it at least hamstrung you a little bit by making the bow be a support option. Yeah. So hunters couldn't entirely wang on about how great they were, even though they did continue yeah. wang on it. It was basically like giving the most showing off class the Zarya alt from um, Overwatch. And then watching them still like not be 
you know, not have to take second fiddle for it. It's like, for God's sake, just someone find out how this class can be humbled. Well, you'll be very pleased to know that one of the several new Warlock supers is just an extremely large, um, I would argue, compensatory laser. Why? Because, I mean, they needed a little bit of help, didn't they? Warlocks. I don't think that warlocks need your help at all. (laughs) (laughs) I think that the new warlock super should have just been the ability to punch hunters in the (laughs) face. You know, not even necessarily to kill them, just for the real satisfaction, because I think that Destiny and Bungie would have been really good at making that feel like a really crunchy, satisfying experience. Grab them by the cape and fling them around. Yeah, like you could really, really just... Imagine if you could just punch one of them out of their blade-dancing stride and then just like, instead of titting around, they'd fall over. You'll love the... Because blade-dancing is gone, but it's arc staff now. They run around with a a bow staff. (sighs) And now you can spin it really fast and reflect projectiles back at people. Like a cool ninja. Uh, edgy boys and edgy capes uh, it's very good it's very 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 good should we talk about the other game we've been playing uh, I mean sorry yes that wasn't an uh about the other game that was just oh hunters are the worst I punch every last one of them <laughs> but I need my coffee <laughs> <laughs> so we have also both been playing two point hospital it's very rare that we have a confluence of gaming, isn't it? Yeah, yes, yeah, because you hate everything I like. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, your narrative. <laughs> <laughs> How put uh, upon you must be. Why don't you tell it to your telephone? <laughs> what does that even mean? Well, I mean, you're so interested in your phone's well-being and what your phone's into. Oh, do you mean because I didn't... Ch- okay, we're not going to argue about the fact that I enjoy charging the phone. Well, I mean, what is wrong with you? <laughs> That's a bigger question for a different time. Okay, uh, yeah. I've only got let, a certain <laughs> amount of time for this. Let's talk about Two Point Hospital. Okay. Or as I keep accidentally referring to it, Theme Hospital. Theme Point Two Hospital. Yeah. Step up to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Theme Hospital, here we go again. Yes, good. Um, electric Boogaloo. <laughs> exactly. Well, the Electric Boogaloo could very easily be an illness. In mm. Two Point Hospital. So if you hadn't picked up already, Two Point Hospital is the much anticipated sort of spiritual successor to Theme Hospital by some of the same people who made Theme Hospital. It's very much Theme Hospital, um, but different, but mostly the same. It's um, exactly Theme Hospital. It's, um, I'll tell you what, it is Theme Hospital as your memory probably most kindly remembers it. Mm. Um, you will have a not great rude awakening. Uh, well, I suppose any rude awakening isn't going to be great, but, um, if you go back and play it, cause it's on GOG, it's like Fiverr. Yeah. Yeah. I've replayed hospital. it recently. Um, and so as you squint at the tiny, <laughs> uh, window of, of gameplay in the center of your massive modern screen, uh, you will, I mean, you know, there's obviously there's, there's the game's humor and, you know, none of that has, changed and the ridiculous diseases and the management elements but like you will also suddenly go oh yeah there was that weird like clicky whack-a-mole game Mm. that they included for no reason and well yeah, yeah um and like you know there's just a whole bunch of 
that stuff that I think your memory just gradually sloughs off the worst of it. Mm. Um, and then this is kind of, it, it feels, it, it picks up pun diseases. It picks up, you know, like, um, the, the announcer sort of with slightly snarky things. It, it has the, the familiar kind of pleasure of, you know, modular layouts that you can twiddle around with and, you know, customize. And it, you know, it's been prettied up, I mm. would say. Um, mm, but yeah, where pretty. are you at with it? Um, I, I went on a journey with this. I played quite a lot of it. Um, and so, um, it is super charming. Um, there's a sort of, sort of gentle daftness to everything about it. Um, and they have, they've not just sort of, like made a spiritual successor to theme hospital in the way that a lot of games come back in a kind of revamp form, um, fueled by nostalgia, but they have kind of replaced theme hospital with a game that does basically all the same things mm. and just does all of them better. You know, it's more playable. Um, it's, it's, it's building tools are better. It's more satisfying to lay out rooms. There's more stuff to do. Uh, there are more ways of more things to get out of running your hospital, think about marketing campaigns and things you kind of unlock a little bit deeper into it. Um, but it's fundamentally kind of just the same game, but more, and that extends to things like, obviously there's, there's more and sillier illnesses for your patients to come in with. Um, and also, you know, the radio stations, which are curiously kind of well-observed pastiches of British daytime radio. I kind of wonder again, what people who aren't British that make of that whole side of it, because it is kind of very daft. It's never like, it's never like hilarious. Mm. But it's never annoying. It's sort of in that middle ground of like, I'm just having a just nice time at this silly game. It's quite pleasant to just tinker with. I think that the, you know, the, the moment to moment side of things where you're just placing stuff helps to balance out the puns. Mm. Um, I actually ended up on a level where, um, I seemed to just unlock a lot of new diseases. Like, uh, mm. cause essentially it, it, you start in a uh, straightforward, quite small hospital space. And so you learn about placing GP um, offices and reception desks and things like that. And I think possibly the most complicated thing that you'll have to, to treat is like the first level of um, uh, complaints that require sending someone to a psychiatrist. Um but then I ended up in the, uh, about four hospitals in, I think. Mm. And suddenly I, I seemed to be unlocking, you know, people would come in and, and I'd unlock disease after disease after disease. And I am not, I, that really not exactly knocked me off my stride, but it, it felt like such a different cadence and it felt like the game had suddenly hit me with a lot of, different things that I didn't have enough time to process or enough, weirdly enough, busy work in between to make them feel like events when they happened. Right. Yeah. You'd sort of, I, I would get into my stride with my hospital in its current form and then suddenly, you know, a, a new complaint would come in and, and you'd have to, you know, maybe research a you know treatment room and then apply the treatment room and staff it and train and mm. you know all of that stuff um and so that you know that's a nice way of feeding the person something to do but now i've just got all of these things and i just feel like i've 
you know, burnt through a lot of stuff that could potentially have been spun out over yeah. <laughs> a couple more hours. Well, that's kind of the impressive thing. It's like, it is con, like, it takes a, a long time and possibly the entire game in terms of every hospital you end up managing before you have seen everything. Like it is you know, almost every hospital is about introducing a new mechanic. Mm. And that's kind of impressive that there's just that much stuff in it. Like, you know, it's like, mm. I think one level's feature is look, here's a lot of new things. Um, and I think for me, like the pause feature is very helpful. Being able to pause and simply lay things out and then resume. Mm. Um, the fact that you can move rooms and stuff I, I like is a kind of, it feels like very modern in that way. Um, the wall I hit with it that I eventually got through is, um, I was playing a lot of it kind of at a, at a pretty fast clip and because you can't, you know, and, and I don't think, I think it, it, um, doesn't explain like one thing I like about it is that to getting a, a kind of, you know, passing grade for a level is pretty easy every single time. It is never difficult. Mm. Um, getting a good grade of the three stars, every level and locking everything, all that stuff is harder. And that's where the difficulty comes in. And that I think is ideal because it means that I anticipate that like theme hospital, this is a game that kids will play. And it feels like, you know, you can just sort of, you know, uh, muddle your way through, um, without facing too much, um, you know, really negative feedback. Like people might storm out your hospital every now and then, but you're not going to be force failed, which could happen in theme hospital. Mm. And that's really good. I, I really support that. Uh, but however, because it, it sort of, it relies on you braving uh, a slightly more advanced play style to kind of learn a bit more about how things actually work, how diagnosis actually works, how, how reputation effect is, affects your hospital and why it might not be desirable all the time. And hospital value is the thing that's really tripping me up at the moment because I was trying to three star that first hospital and Mm. I've just been tweaking different things I've been changing things to do with the staff like maybe retraining some people you know all of that stuff um selling some rooms you know adding some rooms revisiting some stuff and you get like a mouse over top level summary of what the the idea is behind hospital value. But everything I'm doing seems to just bring it down. And I don't even know whether perhaps it's that I'm tweaking too much and the game is somehow factoring in, you know, a um, lack of continuity or something to that value. Like, is that unsettling to the game somehow? So, you know, maybe it's that I need to do a little bit more targeted experimentation or i'm i will probably just talk to friends or look yeah. it up in the end if i if i can't figure it out through I just add more through that more certificates to rooms That's what I'm it's not prestige it's um it's the actual value of the yeah hospital. it's all tied together oh for sure but like there's only so many dog pictures and certificates that a hospital can take and i'm like literally bristling in them. <laughs> well i mean you know I think there is a dog picture on every spare surface of a ward in that particular hospital. <laughs> it's a good hospital. <laughs> They're good hospitals, Brunt. Um, the, um, yes, no. And the other side of it is that like, there's a point where, you know, you can try and do some sort of crazy cue finesse, but the AI doesn't always quite support it. And ultimately a solution to a lot of hospital problems is simply build more office, particularly diagnostic offices, like more yeah. GPs offices. And more GPs offices. And now that I've unlocked it, the fluid analysis seems to always it's have very a cue, popular. So, it's big, yeah. you know, um, and, um, 
And that means like the absence of the ability to copy and paste rooms or save rooms to oh redeploy them. Like I, I was, I was going back and forth to myself about this because if you added the ability to like save a room template and then plonk that in wherever you like, you'd almost remove a big chunk of the game. Mm. Like, cause a big chunk of the game is planning and laying out rooms uh, and trying to make them fit each new hospital shape, basically like, like Tetris. Um, and, but at the same time, I feel like, I feel like the, the lack of the ability to do that is either an oversight or it speaks to a slight lack of confidence in the game's other systems. Like if you take away that, is there anything left? And I think there is actually, I've pushed through that now to a positivity on the other side of it, where actually the, there are some really good um, hospitals or missions in it. Like there's one where you're a training hospital and you can only get completely untrained student st- mm. nurses and doctors, which means you have to train them, uh, which is an interesting challenge. There's one uh, much that's deeper. That's the one where I seem to have just unlocked this cavalcade yeah. of and you have that, diseases. That's, and that's kind of like the point of the, the level is like yeah. you've got student nurses and doctors who don't know how to treat any of diseases and loads of diseases coming in. So you've got to balance training needs with, you know, with um, care needs and things. There's also a level later on where you run a public hospital where everything is free for the uh, for the patients coming in. Mm. And so trying to figure that out in a sort of NHS kind of scenario and not being able to rely on a steady drip feed of money from, uh, uh, successful treatments changes the dynamic of the game completely. That's interesting. And these moments, those levels, um, basically force you to rethink all of the things you've been sort of cruising on. Like so- I can always build a new GP's office, that kind of thing. And it forces you deeper into the systems, at which point you realize there's actually quite a lot more to, 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 to learn and more finesse to, to gain. But in the, in the, you know, when you start out, it is very much like, I'm just building another one of these in offices and I wish I could copy paste them. So I think that uh, that's interesting because maybe it needs to do something with that earlier. You know, yeah. I think maybe if it introduced a challenge on that front to maybe getting the second star in the first hospital, you know, just suddenly being like, Oh, you know, well, We've had a funding crisis so that, cause I think that would also encourage you to look into the, you know, the financials of your hospital as well, you know, things like that. Um, but also I would say that the thing that I would really appreciate, and I don't think it would undermine any of the things that you've said, cause I hit a similar wall with, you know, building Mm. the same thing over and over, um, is that I would like to, on each level be able to save a collection of objects that Mm. I want to constitute a room of a particular type. So, you know, the, the teaching hospital, one of its challenges is that it's in a cold area. Yeah. So you also need to put radiators in each room. And so, um, when you place a room, what you do is you drag out on the floor plan, you know, the, the area that you want it to occupy. So that delineates the, the space. Um, and then it makes you place the compulsory furniture for that room being what it is or fulfilling its basic function. So mm. for example, with the GP's office, that's the GP's desk with a chair for the patient and a filing cabinet. Mm-hmm. But I would love the ability to add extra objects to that group so that even though I would be building the room anew and would be able to fit it into the floor plan and have to place things, I would love it to recognize that now, now that I have unlocked these extra things and need them for the prestige of the hospital or that room to go up, I want to not only have to, you know, 
click through to place the the desk and the filing cabinet i also want two certificates i want two radiators and i want you know a, a rug plant. Yeah, yeah yeah that's a really good idea actually so i and because the game makes you place those things first it's that thing of like you wouldn't have to keep going to the side menu and clicking through to get them yeah you would be able to just click 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 cool you know yeah yeah that's a good idea yeah so hopefully they might um yeah listen (laughs) to this specific five seconds of podcast (laughs) i think you were onto something as well with the idea of the stars being used to introduce those kinds of challenges at whole stages like i don't think it should be the second star i think it should be the third star for every Mm. level because when you get into the later stages the second star is usually not too bad because it's normally like a continuation of the theme of the first one Mm. in a way that is fine. I think it works from a design point of view because it's like you've, you've done the basics now sort of reinforce the basics. But then the third star is often not that much fun to get because it's often the same thing again, but now loads. Yeah. So, you know, it might be like that now you need a hospital value of two and a half million or something, or like you need to cure 50 patients and it's yeah. just going to take time. Like you don't meaningfully change. Like the problem with the, the, the second to third star transition is you have built, if to get the second star, you need to have built a successful hospital within the criteria that the level imposes to get to the third star you then need to kind of just keep doing it but more and that's not very fun Mm. like and it's not mandatory to the game strength um it's not always fun or like it relies on you kind of wanting to do that in that moment whereas if the third star was always like a bit of a curveball like okay well now this is going to happen yeah uh not necessarily in terms of a forced fail like there's another there's a huge series of earthquakes or something more like okay well now you've got to meet an aim that might be slightly orthogonal to to where you've been told to go initially that's um you know that i think would be the way to kind of make you still excited to pursue the later stars whereas i've gotten to the point with the later levels where once i'm happy with it i don't really care what the game thinks anymore which is fine because i think theme hospital the theme games in general actually always had a life as toys as well as a life as games they were you know there's i think particularly when you play them as kids you, you tend to just like i built something cool and i don't really care what the level's telling me to do and it does let you do that i think that the more successful thing that they've done is implement um uh the game giving you challenges based on your uh your friends list and what your friends yeah, are that's playing good, yeah. um Obviously, I don't know how well this will hold up if the initial wave of of people playing, you know, dies off. It might only be that, like, you know, it's the first month where Mm. it's effective and then people, you know, maybe go back to Monster Hunter or something and Mm. then kind of... Destiny 2. But you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wary of saying that this is a a strength of the game because I think that if someone listens to this in two months' time, it might not be the case. But... Mm. Um, with those caveats in place, what it does is it says things like, um, you know, it, it essentially invites you to participate in challenges with, you know, for example, curing patients over a particular period of time or researching things or mm. training people, things like that. And so what you can do is you can, you know, enter into one of those challenges and try and come first or, you know, whatever else. And it'll give you little progress reports at the bottom saying that or even um i think even if you're not participating it does still measure you up against your friends so for example i got a 
a note saying um, that my hospital was a couple of percent behind someone else's um, yeah. in in a particular regard, um, and therefore, you know, it 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 was a kind of an interesting spurring you on by you know because I think it phrases it quite well. It's, yeah, it's not snarky but it's it's the sort of thing where it's telling you that it's actively telling you that you're either better or worse than someone in a way that i think does um make you almost want to message that person or share it online and say yeah. ah i'm doing a lot better than so and so or you know mm. it, it 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 feels like it actually encourages that almost sibling rivalry or you know yeah. that playful um it, it, it encourages banter, I suppose. Mm. But um, yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Although I will say I find the UI slightly confusing. Yeah. Because um, I, I wasn't sure whether I had cancelled one challenge by agreeing to another one or, mm. you know, those kinds of things where you're just kind of like, I, I don't understand what I am still doing at this point yeah it's i all... think i said i want to play this one and then i sort of thought oh i'm also doing well on this so maybe i'll i'll enter into that but i don't know if i cancelled the first one and they yeah. stopped showing up both of them stopped showing up and i was like well, uh what <laughs> yeah it's, it's all kind of learnable but there are a bunch of those kind of little roadblocks on the way to learning kind of yeah stuff. Yeah. Although it's interesting because, um, I, I thought, oh, the UI is still a bit clunky and I'm, you know, having a bit of a weird time. The other thing I've been playing is Graveyard Keeper, which tells you approximately nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't tell you nothing, but it's like, it's, I think it's still in early access. I really hope it is because it's not explaining itself very well. Um, and that is essentially, um, so I don't play Stardew Valley. I've, I've, uh, I tried and for some reason I, just didn't get on with it. I think maybe I was spreading myself too thin across life management games. Um, and so this is, it, it looks to me as someone who doesn't play Stardew, a bit like Stardew, but for somebody who is trapped in a weird village and forced to be a gravekeeper. Mm. Um, and so uh, I, I remember when we talked about... Um, uh, a mortician's tale. A few people said they would have appreciated a content warning. So uh, here is a content warning for talking about, uh, mortician type things again. Mm. Um, so one of the things that you do, the main thing that you start off doing is a donkey delivers you bodies to your graveyard where you now live, um, after some happens to you um and you take the body into the morgue and you can like basically strip it of resources before then burying it and right. redoing up the graveyard because it's got all overgrown and stuff um and so it's kind of an interesting like game in terms of you know there are crafting loops and there are you know like uh, you are essentially um gradually unlocking a space that you then cultivate and you know grow crops in and things like that and mine and, and build up your tool set and your relationships i think with the villagers in the in the next town over um 
And so uh, I'm, I'm about maybe two hours in, so not very far, but the amount of times I've had to look things up on wikis, just even things like, is there a quest list? Cause you know, things would seem to completely disappear. And it's, if you go to the tab of the, um, of the menu of the interface that's called known NPCs, then it will tell you the things that each of them has asked you to do next to them, but right. it doesn't like, uh, you know, there was a lot of context in what they said to you in that moment that then gets stripped out. So I'm kind of looking at the commands and going, wait, what? Mm. And also, you know, there's things to do with crafting that I'm like, well, I think I've researched that technology, but I don't understand why I'm not able to do it or where the specific area is that I, or should I be building a station for myself to do it? Like Mm. it's super confusing but it it was sufficiently interesting and also kind of not twee Mm. enough that i would quite like to play it because i think that's something that um people don't tend to pick up on when they recommend me games is that i actually don't like twee games Mm. and i don't like things that are too sweet i like things that have a little bit of bite to them a lot of the time I was just trying to square this with Animal Crossing. But Animal Crossing, like, the animals can be in a right strop with you, right, or yeah. they can, like, make jokes, or it's kind of... That there is going to break your kneecaps. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, mm. Tom Nook will. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, he'll fuck it up. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like, there there are odd characters, and there are yeah. sort of, like, slightly snooty ones, and there are, you know, it's... And, yes, no, I, yeah, I get it. Yeah. And you can build really macabre, weird things with the furniture. You can build you can, little holes to trap people in. Well, I mean, but also I've in Pocket Camp, my camp is currently set up to look like a hospital mm. and the animals will get into bed and look sad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. Um, but anyway, so I think that's another thing that I was a bit like, okay, with with some games that people recommend me, I'm like, Whereas, yeah, Grave, Graveyard Keeper, like, it, it's sufficiently not pink and, oh, no, not pink, but you know what I mean? Like, that, that kind of, like, rose-tinted-ness, yeah. um, is what I was sort of trying to scrabble for. But, um, and Theme Hospital, I think, it, it the aesthetic of it is quite round and wholesome and uh, yes sorry. <laughs> yes <laughs> um and quite cartoonish you know in that sort of like mm. friendly way but it also has like these ridiculous puns and people die and you know it's yeah um come back as ghosts and then poo ec- ectoplasm everywhere <laughs> yeah and scare people i will say i don't understand the whack-a-mole game this time around cuz like isn't it that you, you're supposed to click on these little scurrying creatures things? But when I did, it was like, it didn't seem to, click, to you have register. To click them a few times. But I, you know, I pursued it around the hospital, just click, 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 click. And it just didn't seem to change anything or do anything or. It works eventually. It was, it's a weird one. Ugh. But it just felt like such a waste of time. Yeah, it is. You don't have to do that. But I mean, but not a pleasant mini game. It, and I don't know whether maybe mine had bugged out on that particular yeah, moment possibly. then, because it was like, you have to click 25 of these things and, you know, fine. And I was like, okay, but it's not registering even one click. So what am I doing? But it's like, oh no, you just have to click them with your mouse pointer. I was like, well, I mean, <laughs> lies. <laughs> Deceptions. I know. 
Hmm. Is that the note that we end on Tupac Hospital? Lies. Lies. <laughs> it lied lies. to me about the little sausage beast. Um, <laughs> so we are going to uh, pass on questions uh, this week, partly because I think the questions we've got would be better with uh, a full roster of pod people, which we should have again next mm. week. Um, but yeah, thank you for sending this question. If you'd like to send us a question for a future episode, definitely do so. Questions at creightandcrowbar.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also tweet us questions or comments or anything really at Crate and Crowbar. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would like to find our various YouTube things, you can find them on youtube.com forward slash Crate and Crowbar. And as ever, thank you to our Patreon supporters, um, without whom this not to do at all. <laughs> um, uh, information about our, our Patreon crowdfunding can be found patreon.com forward slash uh, Crate and Crowbar. Sorry, that's a hiccup. <laughs> and it's that time to... Uh, continue with the ongoing trials of the morning. But if you'd like to follow us as individuals, uh, you find me on Twitter at... Nothing good happens. (laughs) Sorry, what? (laughs) You find me on Twitter at C Thurston, that's C-T-H-U-R-S-T-E-N. If we finish this outro bit, we get to go back to bed. Yes! No, I don't. I get to go to work. (laughs) I can go to bed because I'm a freelancer. I'm not, though, because it's the morning, the best time of day. How can people find you, Pip? They can't. Goodbye. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, I hate the mornings.